just before you start listening to this podcast, a reminder that we have a special subscription offer. You can get 12 issues of The Spectator for £12, as well as a £20 Amazon voucher. Go to spectator.co.uk forward slash voucher if you'd like to get this offer. Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency for the new Spectator USA website. I'm joined today by Joe Walsh, who is an American politician, a Republican, who is running against Donald Trump in 2020. Now, Joe, I suppose the most obvious question is why, given the fact that Donald Trump seems to have extremely strong support uh, among Republicans in the polls, up to 90%, uh, as he brags about, What's your thinking? What do you rate your chances of success as? That is, Freddie, and by the way, it's great to be with you. That is always the perfect first question. Why do something as seemingly crazy as take on Donald Trump? Here's, here's why. I think he's utterly unfit to be president. I think he's a horrible human being. And I've been waiting all year for a Republican to stand up and say that and run against him. Freddie, I believe most Republicans agree with me. They're just afraid to speak out against him. My hope is that my campaign will give them a platform to speak out against Donald Trump. When you say he's a horrible human being, you mean morally repugnant? I mean all of the above. I mean quite literally when he opens his mouth, virtually every time he opens his mouth, he doesn't tell the truth. I mean he's incapable, literally incapable, of putting the country's interest ahead of his own interests. We elected Freddie, a con man. I understand why we elected him, because our political system here is pretty broken, but that doesn't negate the fact that we have a con man in the White House who I I, I think is is a danger to the country. I should probably clarify here because perhaps a lot of listeners listening to this podcast will think, here we go, here's another classic never-Trumper. You're not really a classic never-Trumper in any way, are you? You you were very pro-Trump in 2016. You even went as far as to say, if Trump loses, you were going to grab your musket which uh, for, for British listeners is a, yeah. is a very American threat. But I, I think, yes. I mean, explain to us your evolution over Trump then, your, your, the evolution of your position. Yeah, no, I, uh, I don't come from the typical never-Trumper world. I, I'm a, a, a Tea Party conservative. Politically in America, I'm very conservative. I voted for Trump in 2016. I did not vote for him because I loved him or liked him. I voted for him because he wasn't Hillary Clinton. And so even though I was not enamored with Donald Trump, I figured he'd hire a few good people and maybe a few good things would happen. It it became pretty clear to me, Freddie, that first year, year and a half, that Trump was a lot worse than I thought. And so maybe I did miss it. The whole dishonesty thing really, really bothered me. And then it it was in Helsinki last summer. You remember that press conference with Putin where Trump stood in front of the world and said, I believe Putin and not my own people. That was the final straw for me. It made clear to me that he did not have the country's best interest 
in his heart at all. Well, but that makes you quite different to a lot of Republicans who were perhaps ambivalent about Trump in 2016 and have become more and more enthused about him in, over the last three years. What, what do you say to those people? No, that's a really, really great point. And I'm in cons- I was in conservative media in this country. I, I'm a con- conservative talk radio host. And many people in conservative media who were ambivalent about Trump, they've all moved in the other direction. I don't know of anybody else who's moved in mind. I do believe, Freddie, that that privately, most of my former colleagues in Congress agree with me that they don't like Trump and, and, and they don't think he's fit. I think a lot of them believe Trump will lose in 2020, and I think most of them want Trump to lose. I think they understand what I understand, that Donald Trump is is in many ways destroying the Republican Party. I mean, the Republican Party was a pretty weak, feckless party before Trump. But man, now because of Trump, young people, women, people of color, they can't stand Trump. So I think what most Republicans have done, Freddie, is they've made up their mind. They're going to keep their mouths shut until after 2020. They hope Trump will be gone and then they can rebuild whatever. I just think that's uh, that's that's the wrong way to do it. But uh, let's try and put character aside for a moment. Yeah. Because, I mean, I think most people have a pretty low regard of all politicians. I mean, yourself accepted, perhaps. But but the but the I mean, in terms of policy, where do you really differ with Trump? It's a great question, because what I'm doing is I'm I really think this is such an unusual time in America. I don't believe we've ever elected somebody like this. So I'm making the man my campaign. But yes, there's plenty of policy upon which I disagree with him. I, I, I believe in free trade, free markets, limited government, balanced budgets, the rule of law, all things that Trump does not believe in. He's increasing our debt at a faster clip than Obama did. His tariffs He's he's tariffing us, tweeting us into uh, a recession. I think his trade war is a miserable policy. And I think he's made a mess of things at our border because all he did was talk about a wall and Mexico is going to pay for it. He doesn't know what to do besides just wanting to build the wall. Is part of it that you are disappointed like a lot of Trumpists are in the failure of Trump to do anything about immigration? Is, is that a large part of your motivation? No, uh, I'm disappointed because I think that's part of his incompetence. I think the other thread here is that a lot of people really don't think he knows what he's doing. But no, Freddie, I wouldn't. If I just disagreed with Trump on a couple issues, I, I wouldn't take on this Herculean task like I am right now. I, I believe that he, another four years of Donald Trump, I worry about what he would do to our Constitution. I worry about what he would do to the rule of law. I think he's tweeting us into a recession right now. I worry about him tweeting us into a war. So it's not just a couple issues, though there are issues uh, upon which he and I really do disagree. But you, you, I mean, to an outsider, to a Brit like me, a lot of your sort of public persona does seem 
has sort of traces of Trump in it. In that you know you're, you're, you've never been on the right side of political correctness. Let's put it that way. Right. Uh, you've been right. accused of racism a lot. I think you've admitted to make, having made racist comments. Have you changed, or do you think the media just misunderstands you? No, no. It's a combination of look. A lot of people here called me Trump before Trump. I think the only thing that Donald Trump and Joe Wall share is. Neither one of us speaks like a typical American politician. Mm. That's what we share. And so uh, when I went to Washington eight or nine years ago, I became, you know, one of the most outspoken faces. And I, I, I spoke out a lot about things that I believed in. There's no doubt, I think, that as outspoken as I was, plenty of times I stepped in it and went too far. And I do believe, as I've said, that part of the rhetoric that Tea Party people like me used helped lead us to Trump. When you but, talk but about rhetoric, you're talking about, I mean, there's been a lot of discussion about your use of the, the N-word. Uh, is that yeah. what you're talking about, using that kind of rhetoric? No, yeah, but, you know, again, generally, like when I've used the N-word, it's to make a serious point. I've never, I never would use the, I, I never would call anyone the N-word. Yes. Uh, look, I was in conservative talk radio, and the, the goal was to be provocative and to get people to think. Almost every provocative thing I said on the radio was to get people to think about certain things. Yeah. Um, but no, I would never casually just throw that out there for no reason at all. Sure. I mean, our readers, our listeners are not delicate. So, I mean, but what, in what context were you using it? Here's what I was using it as, Freddie, and it's a great example. So about four years ago, you know, we have an American football team called the Washington Redskins. Yeah. And there, there was a big movement four years ago to change the name Redskins because people thought it was offensive to Native Americans. And people on the left said that Redskins is the new N-word. And I recoiled against that. And I said, Redskins, even if you find it offensive, it's not nearly as offensive as the N-word. The N-word has a uniquely ugly history in this country. And to prove my point, Freddie, I wrote out the N-word. And people couldn't believe that I wrote it out. But that just buttressed my point. If I put Redskins down on paper, nobody thinks anything of it. But when I put the N-word down on paper, people were startled. And that was my point, that the N-word is uniquely its own ugly word. But you, you, you wrote it out. You didn't, you didn't say it. Are you saying that you were sort of trying no, to No, I, I, did, I did the same thing. I wrote it out in a tweet to make my point. And then on the radio, I said it out loud on the radio to yes. make my point that Redskins is not the new N-word. So typically when I engaged in that kind of a thing, it was to push back against uh, certain ideas. So, I mean, a lot of people would say this makes you the wrong person to take on Trump, but, but perhaps you think it makes you the right person to take on Trump, the fact that you have this history of dabbling in controversial waters. No, I think it, look, I think the, like Trump's voters, Freddie, were my voters. Trump's voters were the people who listened to me on the radio. People think that I'm challenging Trump from the right. Well, I am a conservative, no doubt about it. I don't think Trump's a conservative. Trump's just all about Trump. You know, he can be a Democrat one day, a Republican the other day. That's, he's just all about Trump. Um, I, I think that 
I am uniquely positioned to go in front of Republican voters this year and say, look, with me, you're going to get a conservative, but you won't get all the drama. You won't get all the insulting tweets. You, I think, Freddie, I think, I think a lot of Republicans are just tired of Trump. They can't imagine going through another four years of this guy's drama. Uh, no. They're not going to get drama like that with me. You say Trump has always been about Trump, but presumably you should have been able to see that in 2016. What, why couldn't you? No doubt. And, and to that, Freddie, I plead guilty, man. I, and, and this may sound weird. I didn't support Trump in the primary. I supported Rand Paul. But once Trump won the, the nomination, I supported him. And I did not pay as much attention to Donald Trump as I should have. And I plead guilty to that, Freddie. I knew I wasn't going to vote for Hillary. And, and I just I didn't take Trump seriously enough. Uh, and I, I, I raise my hand and plead guilty to that. I think a lot of us did. I think a lot of us didn't think he'd even win. Look, I criticized him early. He blocked me on Twitter during that campaign because even back then I was criticizing him. Uh, I just didn't take him as seriously as I should have. I'm guilty of that. So uh, let's say, I don't want to uh, curse your luck or anything, let's say you don't win, which kind of the, 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 the betting markets would suggest you won't. What would you do afterwards? Would you support Trump? I mean, you don't have to support him publicly. I, I doubt you'd do that. But would you vote for Trump having lost the nomination if he's up against, let's say, Bernie Sanders? No, I've made clear publicly I could never, ever vote for Donald Trump again. I, I, here's, if, I, if I'm not the nominee, then here's my choice. I believe Trump is bad for America. I believe the Democrats' ideas are wrong for America. I, I cannot vote for Trump. I doubt I could vote for a Democrat. Who knows? There may be a third-party independent person out there. But I'd rather get back to the place where... I am fighting the Democrats on their ideas, their misguided ideas. I'd rather get back to that place than dealing with somebody like Trump, who, if he gets another four years, Freddie, he literally believes he's a king and a dictator. He will act like a king and a dictator. I think that's a bigger threat. Tell me a little bit about how it's been going for you since you've, since you've announced your candidacy. I mean, do you feel you're just getting support from uh, kind of Democrats who want to hurt Trump anyway and also never Trump Republicans, or do you feel there's something else out there? Uh, all the above. It's been crazy. We've gotten a lot of attention, good, bad, and ugly, but we've gotten a lot of attention, a lot of coverage. I think that there is, and, and Freddie, maybe I wasn't the perfect messenger, but I think there is a hunger out there for somebody on the Republican side to call him out. Uh, our campaign slogan is be brave. We picked be brave because I'm making a bet and I could be wrong with this bet. But the bet I'm making is that most Republicans privately are exhausted with Trump and they don't want four more years of them. My goal is to try to get them to have the courage to say that publicly. We're getting a lot of support. The Republican Party obviously is not happy with me, and they'll do whatever they can to try to shut me down in state after state. But we're going to fight as hard as we can. I mean, you are going to have a lot of mud slung at you. You know, there's stories about you not yeah. paying your child support payments and so on. 
I mean, how, uh, how are you going to yeah. deal with things like that? You know what? <laughs> you think about the guy we have in the White House right now. You talk about mud. If Donald Trump, with all of his baggage, I mean a lifetime of fleecing people, a lifetime of being sued with all of Donald Trump's baggage, and that guy can get elected, I, I, look, every candidate has their own baggage. All you, know, you, all you do is you be honest about what you've done, you be honest about what you've said, and you keep bullying forward talking about what you believe in. I knew that once I did this, especially on my side, all of Trump world was going to come after me with everything. And that's going to continue day after day after day. Do you think the Republican Party really exists anymore? I mean, we've heard a lot that it's now the party of Trump. I'm just wondering, what is what is the Republican Party that you're trying to to, to talk to? Does it exist? The, the Repu- yeah, no, it's a, it's a great point, my friend. The Republican Party I believe in, which is a Republican Party that supports free trade, free markets, freedom, limited government, balanced budgets, and opportunity for all, no matter what color you are, that Republican Party is asleep right now. It's become Donald Trump's party, period. And my hope is, again, a a lot of people, Freddie, have left the party, and I want to pull them back in it. I, I just think it's really important to lay down a marker right now before the 2020 election, that this is what the Republican Party was, this is what the Republican Party should be. And even if I'm not successful, I think that needs to be on the record. But do you think perhaps that the the kind of holy trinity of republicanism, let's say uh, hawkishness abroad, low taxes, culture wars to an extent, you know, moral position, I suppose, that's sort of redundant now. I mean, it, it doesn't work as a political formula because... Perhaps voters got fed up of of being ripped off by it. No, I I agree with that. And and let's remember, the Republican Party was a mess before Trump. It was a weak, feckless party, which is why he could so easily win. The Republican Party had lost its way. I mean, it had lost its way when I went to Washington eight, nine years ago. I, 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 you know, Tea Party guy I was and, and the Republican establishment didn't want anything to do with the things I was espousing, like free markets and balanced budgets. So so the, the party's lost, which is why we got Trump. And I do think, to your point, the whole that holy trinity of, of certain Republican beliefs, that's gone by the wayside. And, and I don't know that that will ever return. Yeah, we've talked about never Trumpers. Bill Crystal, probably the most notorious never Trumper of all. Yeah, seems to be supporting you. Um, do you welcome his support? Do you do you, do you think any anything to defeat Trump? Is that the idea now? I, I I absolutely welcome that support. I mean, politics makes for strange bedfellows. I, Bill Crystal, and I certainly don't agree on every issue. As you mentioned earlier, there are independents and Democrats who disagree with me on a lot of issues. But I think what unites us, and we'll see how big the coalition can be, what unites us is just absolute disgust with what this guy is and what he's doing to the country. So I welcome support from everywhere. 
And give for our British listeners who won't know how this works, give a sense of what are the key moments coming up for your campaign? Well, the key moments are over the course of the next couple of months, two to three months, we, we want to get on the ballot in every state. And we're going to then campaign really hard in some of the first primary states like New Hampshire and Iowa. You know, money, 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 money's a big deal. So we've got to raise a lot of money so that we can at least get this message out. And, and then, Freddie, my, my goal is going to be to try to get Donald Trump to debate me. There are plenty of debates on the Democrat side this presidential election season. I think we need a debate on the Republican side. So my hope is that sometime between now and the end of the year, once Donald Trump sees that we're getting on the ballot in state after state and we're generating some enthusiasm, Donald Trump will be forced to debate me. But if he is as uh, the sort of moral quizzling that you say he is, presumably he won't. Presumably he won't. Yes. So that's a problem, isn't it? <laughs> it, it will be a problem. My, my hope is that we get to a point where Fox News or some major network in the States says, OK, this guy Walsh is doing pretty good. We're going to we're going to have a debate between the two Republican candidates. And boy, I'll tell you, I'd love to be in a position where Donald Trump didn't show up to a Fox News debate. I don't think that would make him look very good. He's not showed up to debates, to debates before and got away with it. He does. You're, you're right. Again, and the hope, though, is that each that a moment like that and more moments like that will make Republican voters realize uh, that that there's somebody else. Because the other point I want to make is, you know, a lot of people don't take Trump seriously, but they are now because our economy is slowing down. The manufacturing sector is slowing down. Trump's tweets, just the uncertainty that he develops, uh, the business community in America just doesn't know what Trump's going to do from hour to hour. So if the economy starts to go south, then people aren't going to be laughing about Donald Trump anymore. Could I just ask if um, for whatever, you know, during the Mueller inquiry, a lot of people got very excited about taking Trump down. And I always thought it smacked of rubbish to me, a lot of it. But if, let's say, Mike Pence became president, he's within a heartbeat of the presidency still, would you suddenly transform your ideas about this administration? I, I, it's an interesting question. I'd certainly rethink what I'm doing because I'm running against Trump. Uh, so that would make me pause and possibly reconsider what I'm doing. I I'll tell you what, it's a really fluid situation. We don't know really from day to day. You and I could have a conversation in a month from now, and we won't know what's really going on with Donald Trump. So that's that's not a crazy possibility. I suppose what I'm driving at is that never Trumpers like, uh, say, Rick Wilson or someone, I think they're so disillusioned with all the Republicans who, in in their mind, have sold out and gone along with this figure that they think they should all go to hell, really. Yeah, and, and Freddie, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put myself there. Look, I served with Mike Pence. I like Mike Pence. I'm disappointed in how he's, you know, he's not the same Mike Pence I knew, but I respect Mike Pence, and I'm not one of these never-Trumpers who believes anybody who was ever associated with Trump shouldn't be supported. 
I think that's crazy. Joe Walsh, I think we'll leave it there. But thank you very much for coming on to Americano. Freddie, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Americano. And I'd like to encourage you all to give us your feedback, positive comments or constructive comments only, please, to podcast at spectator.co.uk and say anything you like there as long as it's reasonably polite. (laughs) 